Yeah, so we're in Daniel chapter 6. It's a popular story. Um, probably some of you grew up in church. You've heard this story right from, you know, kindergarten. But um, I believe God has something to speak to us through this. So, Lord, just uh, thank you for this story. Thank you that you've given us examples of people that are really just like us, Lord. You, Daniel is a human just like us, and, um, but you've given us some things that we can learn from him. So I pray that we would learn and uh, see you more clearly and know you more dearly, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in this part of Daniel's life, chapter 6 is the story of the lion's den. And um, Daniel is 80 years old now. He's, um, he's been there a long time. He was taken into exile into Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem when he was about 15 years old. So he's 80. It's about been 65 years. He's now serving under the third king. It was Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar, and now Darius. So we're just going to uh, start going through the chapter. I'm going to paraphrase some of it, read some of it. Uh, just bear with me. So um, it starts out, It pleased Darius to set up over the kingdom 120 satraps, which don't really know what they are, other than kind of like governors, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, to whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give an account so the king might not suffer loss. So the king's just doing whatever, what any good king or CEO would do. He's just setting up an org chart, right? He's got himself, now he's got Daniel and these three high, two other high officials, and under them he's got 120 satraps. Um, verse three, then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because of the excellent spirit was in him and the king the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom so now it's changed a little bit now it's the king Daniel the other two high officials and then everybody else so we have to remember Daniel is a Jew serving in a heathen kingdom and this is a big kingdom it's probably the largest kingdom uh, kingdom of the known world at the time and Daniel's like the number two man a Jew in a in a heathen kingdom and yet he's serving with excellence so my first point is wherever God calls you to work or serve do it with excellence now that's a no-brainer and I know you didn't come all the way here to just hear that thank you Captain Obvious <laughs> um, but to do it even when you disagree with stuff, you know how you, you could be serving, but you know, you disagree with this or that. And, but Daniel just did it and did it with excellence to the point where he became distinguished. So wherever God calls you, serve with excellence. Uh, verse four, the high officials and satraps now sought to find ground of complaint against Daniel. So these guys now are a little jealous, right? Because Daniel is at the top. And um, he's not only going to be the boss, but he's going to be their boss. And that's not easy to do. Um, so they sort of a way to not only trap him, but kill him. Now just imagine, I mean, we don't want to just gloss over that. Imagine you're in a, a corporate situation and um, you have a couple of associates 
and you find out that they're actually trying to figure out a way to not only get you fired but get you killed so Daniel had to you know live in this kind of environment and the way these people these people were going to trap him was because they couldn't find anything that he does wrong they, you know he doesn't take bribes he doesn't do anything under the table or anything and they realized the only way we can trap him if it has something to do with his faith and one thing is they noticed that he would go every day to his house and pray and so they thought hmm maybe we can trap him that way so and yet Daniel was not phased by this at all um, point two is Daniel contextualized but he didn't compromise so what do I mean by contextualize well do you remember when Paul said um, I want to be all things to all people like to the Jews as a Jew to the Romans as a Roman now he didn't say to the Romans I'm going to be a Roman or to the Jews I'm going to be a Jew but he said as a Jew or as a Roman because he wanted to find as much common ground as he could to have an influence on them without compromising and that's what Daniel did he again he's in an environment where there's a lot he disagrees with but he's just um, trying to be an influence feels like God has called him there so he contextualized but he didn't compromise so finally these conspirators devise their plan and they go to the king and they get the king to sign an injunction that says if anybody prays to anybody other than you O king for 30 days they will be thrown into the lion's den and the king thought yeah that, you know that makes me feel pretty good you know so the king went along with it and he signed the injunction so Daniel now is in this situation he's kind of forced to either pray to the king not pray at all or pray to God so pray to the king for the next 30 days only pray to the king and live not pray at all and live or pray to God and die so I love verse 10 verse 10 says says when Daniel knew that the document had been signed he went to his house with the windows where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem so as soon as Daniel heard that the document had been signed he didn't you know go to the king and appeal to the king to maybe for like an exemption or um, he didn't use his political clout to somehow figure out a way to get out of this he, he said it, it just says he went to his house to, to pray and it's almost like he was waiting for this because I'm sure he he heard about it he knew it was kind of developing he knew it was in the works given his place in the government and uh, he, he waited and he said you know what as soon as this thing is signed boom I'm going to my house it was like there was a line drawn in the sand and it's kind of like they almost dared him to cross it and he crossed it he could have compromised he could have said oh, I'm just I won't pray for 30 days God will understand or I'll pray in private or secret and no he didn't so point number three is choose your battles sometimes we just have to choose our battles um, and sometimes it'll cost us as well but you know Daniel like I said there's probably a lot of stuff he disagreed with in this kingdom but he chose his battle and this this was one that was important to him and then uh, the second part of verse 10 says he got down on his knees you know once he got to his house 
got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he has done previously. So this phrase here, give thanks, actually I looked it up in my concordance, and it's, it's translated um, praise by holding out one's hands. So it has to do with using your hands to praise. So in other words, Daniel is not doing anything in secret here. He's there in his house with his hands up, you know, praising God and thanking God. He doesn't care. He's not trying to hide. He's like, you want to catch me? Here I am. He's not intimidated. So point four, don't let the world intimidate you into silence about your faith practices. You know, if there was ever a time where he wanted to hide his faith, this would have been it because it was, it was live or die. And he didn't back down. Uh, point number five is make prayer a priority. And, you know, we all know that, you know, we all know prayer is important, but this little um, saying, I, I always think about it, it says, in a time of crisis or need, you can do more than pray, but you shouldn't do anything until you pray. So we just want to get that kind of habit and that instinct. A crisis hits us, first thing we do, let's, let's pray. And then point number six, pray persistently. The last part of this verse says, At, as he has done regularly. So this is something that Daniel did regularly. And he had many reasons not to pray. I mean, when you think about it, he's a Jew. He's in a captivity in a heathen country. Um, he's there for 65 years. It's almost like all his life, from about 15 to 80. And now... He's, gonna, he's facing the death sentence if he prays. So he, he had a lot of reason to be discouraged, but he continued to regularly pray and thank God. Finally, these men, verse 11, these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. So this is where it came down to Daniel trusting in the God he believed in. So point seven is trust God even when we are uncertain with the outcome. You know, it's kind of like where the rubber meets the road. You know, we can all say, yeah, we believe in God, but there's just times God calls us to really um, put some feet to that faith, and it's, our faith is tested, really. And Daniel, you know, he didn't know the outcome here. He's thinking about his friends that got delivered from the fiery furnace, right? But even they didn't know if God was gonna deliver them. You know, they said to the king at the time, they said, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down and worship you. So I don't believe Daniel knew the outcome of this story, but it didn't matter. He trusted God anyway. And um, that's how it is. I love the emphasis on Psalm 23 this morning where, you know, God doesn't deliver us from the valley of the shadow of death but he walks through it with us, right? Sometimes we, we have to go through hardship, but we do have a promise. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. We read in Hebrews 11, it's called the Faith Hall of Fame, and it says, some, some quench the power of fire, some shut the mouth of lions. There's a direct reference to Daniel's three friends and Daniel. This is in Hebrews 11 in the New Testament. But then it follows up with this. 
but others were killed by the sword, stoned and sawn in two. So see, the outcome doesn't determine if God is faithful or not. But verse 39, right after that, it says, but all these were commended for their faith. So it's not so much the outcome. Verse 12, uh, they came to the, they, these guys came back to the king and said, Daniel is disobeying your injunction. And in verse 14, the king, when he heard this, because now he realized, I got to throw Daniel in the lion's den. I can't go back on my word. I can't break this injunction. And he's, he's troubled by that. He's, he's, uh, it says he labored. He said this distressed and set it, and he was set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down. So he just wrestled with this all day long. How can I get Daniel out of this? Because these guys came and said, look, he, he's busted. You've got to throw him in the lion's den. It gives, a, it's the testimony of the impression Daniel made on this king. So, and we're going to see the progression of Darius also in this story. Um, when they finally threw, brought Daniel, the, then the king commanded, Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. And the king declared to Daniel, and he said this, May your God, whom you continually, who, whom you serve continually, deliver you. So, point eight is don't ever underestimate your influence on whoever, you know, where you work, um, any relationships that you have. Don't ever estimate your, relation, your, your uh, influence. God has you there for a purpose. Look at how the king was starting to be influenced. Now, this is a heathen king. But he said, may your God, he didn't say may the gods or may my God, but he said, may your God. And then he said this, whom you serve continually. Now for a king to say that, I don't know if you remember the story when Jesus was born and King Herod heard that the three kings were going to visit a king. And Herod said, I'm gonna have every baby boy that's under the year, two years old killed because I don't want any other kings in my kingdom. You know, kings are very jealous. And, and yet, Daniel said, whom you serve continually. Like, hey, wait a minute, I'm, I thought you were supposed to be serving me. And he, he, you'll see that he, sa he says that a couple times. So we can see that Darius is being influenced by Daniel. The stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. The king sealed it. Uh, and then the king spent the night fasting and no diversions were brought to him and slept, sleep fled from him. So this obviously affected the king. He just, he, he was just really affected by this. I mean, he didn't sleep, he fasted, he didn't have any entertainment brought to him. This really affected this king. So, um, in the morning, uh, where's that? Bear with me a minute. At the break of day, here it is. At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. So 
King didn't sleep all night. Finally, when the sun came out, it says he went in haste. Now, kings don't do that. They send somebody to go do their bidding, right? And they said, he could have said, go, go, let me know if, what happened with Daniel. Did he get eaten by the lions or what? No, the king went himself and in haste. And it, and it says, in a tone of anguish, he said, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? I mean, a, a tone of anguish. And Daniel responded, well, first of all, he, now, now the, Darius says, he didn't just say, oh, Daniel, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you? He said, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. So you see how Zarius is growing in his knowledge of God. And Daniel shouted out, O king, live forever. God has sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. Because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody made me spend the night in the lion's den, <laughs> I wouldn't have nice things to say to him in the morning. <laughs> but Daniel had respect. He said, O king, live forever. But then he said, he said, God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth because I was found blameless before him. He, then he said, and also you. But you see how Daniel's priority was obeying God. I was found blameless before him and also for, before you, O king. And then the king commanded, and he had, uh, they brought Daniel out. He was not harmed at all. And then the king commanded that all these, these guys that devised this plan and their wives and children be thrown into the lion's den. And it says that they were, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones even before they reached the bottom of the den. So those were hungry lions. And then King Darius makes this decree. Now listen to this. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is a living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to no end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has saved Daniel from the lion's den. Preach it, Darius. You see, his, you see now how well versed he is in God and you know just what God is doing to, to Darius so and Darius had no problem deferring the glory to God so and this is all because of the you know starting out with Daniel and you know him being um, impeccable and trusting God and you know trusting God when the outcome is you know could be death and um, you, you just you see the results that happen not only on King Darius but this major decree that he he broadcast throughout his whole kingdom so again Daniel is like us right God didn't create separate humans back then that he can center these great stories around Daniel is one of us right I just want to close because there's one more thing here in this story that I believe God wants us to hear and we've heard the word hope and promise a couple times I mean God, Josh's first song was 
All God's promises are yes and amen. And we heard the word hope a couple times too. I skipped over something in verse 10, and I'm going to go back to it right now. And it's talked about when Daniel went to his house. It says he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. Now why do we care about the design of Daniel's house? You know, the architecture of his house. Well, the Jews had a custom of praying toward Jerusalem and praying toward the temple. And so that's why he had these, these windows open toward the temple. That started when Solomon dedicated the temple. This is about 400 years ago. And he prayed a prayer. And he, he prayed several prayers, but one of them was this. Lord, if your people, because they have sinned, have been taken into captivity, but if they pray toward this city and toward this house, and they repent of their sins, that you will hear their prayer. And that's what Daniel was doing. But here's the kicker, and, and Daniel knew this. Jerusalem at that time was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. It was leveled. Nebuchadnezzar, when he took the, the Jews into exile, Daniel and the, his three friends, and he didn't destroy the city then. He set up kind of like a puppet king but then several years later, he went back and he just destroyed the city, the temple, the walls around Jerusalem. He just leveled it. And yet here's Daniel, and he knew this, and he's praying toward Jerusalem. He's praying with hope against hope. Now why, how and why could he do that? Well, you know, the song I, I mentioned, you know, all God's promises are yes and amen. Daniel, Daniel's hope was based on a promise. And here's the promise. You know, when they were first taken into captivity, Jeremiah, who was still in Jerusalem, he sent a letter, and he got a letter to the, the, exile, the exiled Jews in Babylon, Babylon. And this letter said, in 70 years, I will bring you back to this place. And Daniel knew that. And you remember how long I said Daniel was in captivity? 65 years. The 70 years is almost up. Daniel's hope was based on the promise of God. And then here's, uh, that brings us to the last verse of the chapter. It says, So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So we know who Darius is, but why does he bring up Cyrus the Persian? Well, Cyrus, there was a thing called the Proclamation of Cyrus. And it's in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 and 4, but I, I just got to read this. It says, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. Now, Cyrus is a king of Persia. He's a heathen king. Whoever is among you of all the people May his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord. And let each survivor, now listen to this, let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of that place with silver and gold and goods and beasts, besides free will offerings for the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. So there it is, the promise fulfilled. It's the promise that Daniel had based his hope on.
And I really feel like this is what God wants to say. Where is your hope? You know, what is your Jerusalem? What is the thing you're hoping in that's causing you discouragement? And I feel like God would just want to say this, you know, that sometimes we're hoping in promises that God never promised. You know, it's really very limited what God has promised us. And it, will, and it mainly has to do with the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. Because Peter says this, he has caused us to be born again with a living hope according to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So our hope is based on the promises that Jesus achieved for us by dying for our sins, paying the penalty for our sins, taking the punishment, and rising from the dead. It's a hope that's based on the promises of God that have, have been fulfilled. Now, hope is something that is there for all of us. Um, but the Bible uses terms like hold fast in your hope, set your hope, not shifting from the hope, abide in the hope. So hope is something that we, we have to step into, we have to lay hold of. But again, it's based on the promises of God. So for those of you that, you know, you're... you're your hope is broken, or the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, lay hold of the promises of God. Only base your hope on what God has said. And those of you that are un even unfamiliar with this, and maybe you're not even a Christian, you're just checking this stuff out, God gives hope. He gives purpose and meaning in life. Um, he's there, as, as we said, he's always with us through trials, and it's because of the work of, of Jesus on the cross. Thank you very much.